Welcome to the Daily Hammer, your daily news source when it comes to the Atlanta Braves as part of the Talking Chop Podcast Network. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you are having a fantastic start to your Friday. Of course, you can find the Daily Hammer, the Talking Chop Podcast, and the Road to Atlanta Podcast all on the Talking Chop Podcast Network as well as at Talking Chop. Dot com and across and across all forms of social media, you can follow us at Talking Chop. My name's Sean Coleman. You can find me at StatsSAC on Twitter. When it comes to the Braves, here's the latest from Atlanta. So obviously, we now are getting into a few weeks within the lock within the uh, MLB lockout. You know, obviously, as both the MLB Players Association and Major League Baseball. In whatever shape or form they're eventually going to figure it out, are going to try are going to have to figure out a new collective bargaining agreement to end the lockout. And as I explained, you know, a few Daily Hammer episodes ago, the thing that stands out is is that though there's not a lot of uh, there's not going to be hardly any action when it comes to actual Major League Baseball players and teams, it's still pretty interesting that there are going to be some minor league activity. And over the week, uh, over this past week, the minor league portion of the Rule 5 draft actually occurred. Normally, right about now, uh, either it would have been this past weekend or this upcoming weekend, we would have had the winter meetings, and every year when the winter meetings occur, typically they go from, you know, a Sunday night through a Thursday. That Thursday, it would have been the Rule 5 draft, the Major League portion of the Rule 5 draft. Well, this time around, it was the Minor League portion, and the Braves were actually very active in the Minor League portion of this year's Rule 5 draft. Now, it's important to remember that when it comes to the Rule 5 draft, basically the Minor League portion is the opportunity for teams to be able to claim players that will become Minor League depth. These are not players that are a part of a 40-man roster. These are typically players who would become Minor League depth for many teams just to fill out organizational depth needs when it comes to their minor league rosters. And the Braves were certainly active this year. Their first pick was John Nagowski, who was a first baseman who played last year. He's played for the Cardinals. He's played for Pittsburgh. Late last year, he signed uh, with the uh, San Francisco Giants. He had a very memorable series, at least for him, when the Braves (laughs) played the Pirates, you know, earlier this year. But he was selected. A 28-year-old first baseman has not really put up that outstanding of numbers either in the minor leagues or the majors, but was viewed as organizational depth. And it's never a bad thing to take on more bats, especially now with the universal DH potentially being in place long-term starting in 2022. With their next few picks, the Braves took a few, you know, at least to them, intriguing relief prospects. Luis Diavila, um, a lefty pitcher from the Royals organization, as well as Alan Winans, who was a reliever from the Mets organization. Again, none of these names are going to absolutely be, you know, anything of great interest because, you know, the fact is, is that they're not top prospects or they don't have a track record really of being of top prospects. Again, their organizational depth. But again, you never can have too many arms in your minor league system, especially when you're trying to fill out a bullpen. So the Braves took a few, uh, took an opportunity to take a few arms. And then, of course, they also took from the Marlins organization right-hander Tanner Edwards, who is also 
been both a starter and a reliever. So the Braves took the opportunity um, this past week to add some organizational depth to their minor leagues. Now, of course, when it comes to the Braves' minor league system, you know, there's plenty of depth to fill out. And so with these selections, the Braves have decided to take opportunities to fill out their organizational depth. Again, don't ever expect really that there's very slim chances that any of these names mentioned would wind up being some type of big contributor, you know, in the near future for the Braves. But with that being said, it's always smart to make sure that you have as much depth as possible as we've seen for the Braves throughout all four of their division title runs and obviously the World Series run this year. Depth certainly matters. And while none of these players themselves may eventually wind up being depth, that matters. It certainly is good to have as many options as possible when you go into seasons where you're going to run into injuries and ineffectiveness regardless. So obviously the Braves were active this week, but unfortunately no teams can be active during the lockout when it comes to major league transactions. However, that doesn't mean that there is that there's not news to talk about when it comes to the rest of the NL East, including the Mets who are right now in the midst of looking for their new manager and some more indications that the Phillies could be a very active team with their eyes on a significant move once the MLB lockout ends. So as we mentioned on here, before the lockout became official, the Mets obviously were one of the more active teams around Major League Baseball, signing veteran infielders Eduardo Escobar, Mark Kane, and then, excuse me, veteran infielder Eduardo Escobar, veteran outfielders Mark Canna, as well as Starling Marte, and then, of course, the biggest splash probably so far of free agency, at least in terms of name, is the fact that the Mets agreed to a three-year, $43 million per year, actually $43.3 million per year deal with Hall of Fame, with future Hall of Famer Max Scherzer. Well, one unique thing about the Mets' approach is that they've signed all this talent to their roster. They've decided on Billy Epler as their general manager. They've still not found a manager. The, the Mets' manage, management situation or manager's position has certainly been a point of discussion with obviously uh, the unique circumstances surrounding Carlos Beltran in the past and others. So they certainly have been on the lookout for a manager that they really can hope to trust with a roster that is certainly geared towards competing right now and hopefully in their case making a, making a pennant run. Well, the Mets have already gone through six interviews in their first round of interviews, and they're targeting not only veteran options, but also names tied to some of the more successful organizations in Major League Baseball. It seems as if uh, yesterday the Mets actually concluded the, the final interview of their first round as they interviewed Clayton McCullough, who is the Dodgers' first base coach. He joins former manager and current Dodgers bench coach Bob Guerin, as well as Rays bench coach Matt Quattraro, Astros bench coach Joe Espada, and former Tigers and Angels manager and former Major League Baseball catcher Brad Osmus. But of course, the name that is the most intriguing, or at the very least right now, is catching the most headlines, is former manager Buck Showalter, former Yankees manager. Most recently, he had a very good stint with the Orioles, letting them to success. And it seems as if as he may have a big supporter already in his corner as Max Serger, as has been reported uh, via the Mets, it does seem like Max Serger may prefer Buck Showalter as the future 
management option for the Mets. So it's certainly going to be interesting to see. Again, you put whatever value you put on what role the manager plays in the success of his team, it certainly is going to be a situation to monitor for the, for Braves fans to kind of know who's going to be leading, you know, the Mets going forward. Because if it is someone like Buck Showalter, again, while he's been out of baseball for quite a while, he certainly not only has experience of making the most of, in, uh, you know, of being able to make the most of his team's potential, but also has plenty of playoff experience as well. So that certainly is one situation to monitor when it comes to the NL East. Now, in a more long-term view, because, you know, basically the, none of this can happen until the lockout ends, is the fact that the Phillies seem to be a team that, that uh, a few around baseball, to many around baseball, feel could be one of the bigger pursuits, uh, one of the bigger pursuers of a significant move once the lockout ends. Several big bats have been tied to the Phillies, you know, to different degrees. Chris Bryant, Nick Castellanos, and there obviously was a review earlier this week, or there was a, a report earlier this week that Kyle Schwarber could be someone that the Phillies could go after. And it makes sense, right? Uh, you know, the Phillies are known to have deep pockets. The Phillies are known... <laughs> to go after free agent opportunities. Obviously, that's how they added Bryce Harper. But the big key is, is that Bryce Harper, coming off the 2021 MVP, which he certainly deserved, he right now is in his prime. And the Phillies don't necessarily have a lot of reserves in their minor league system coming up to clearly make the Phillies team significantly better, or at least to the level that they're going to need to be, to be able to be a true rival to the Braves and obviously the Mets who are gearing up to be a contender hopefully over the next few years. The Phillies are right in there with the need and with the urgency to be a team that can compete. They were the Braves' biggest rivals this past year. The Braves just simply were the hotter team at the end of the season. And of course, we saw how that ended up for both Atlanta and Philadelphia. But I would imagine that Philadelphia will certainly at least be in the mix for one of the remaining big bats that's out there on the market. They certainly could use another outfield option, maybe an option that could be versatile. Chris Bryant, again, Nick Castellanos, Kyle Schwarber, perhaps they get in on the Seiya Suzuki uh, sweepstakes, the uh, very intriguing outfielder from Japan. You even could see Philadelphia possibly want to go a little bit, on a little bit lower scale. Maybe a former Braves outfielder like an Eddie Rosario or a Jorge Soler becomes a name that they go after. The thing that stands out though is this, is that with all the improvement that we've seen the Mets make, and also we've seen improvement as as well from the Marlins. The Nationals are seem to be entering a, a pretty long rebuild, so they haven't been that active. But the thing that stands out is, is that while the Mets certainly have grabbed the headlines, and the Marlins also have made a, you know an upgrade move or two, and they still could, the Phillies also are a team to watch after the lockout ends, because it does seem as if they certainly have a need, they certainly have logical reason to go after a big name and they obviously you know probably do have the money it does seem like the Phillies could be geared towards adding a significant name or two of their own so that certainly will be interesting to watch it could be that the NL East may be one of if not the busiest divisions in baseball this offseason when it comes to 
teams adding to their futures. And of course, the biggest move of all that we're all awaiting on is the latest when it comes to Freddie Freeman hopefully continuing the, continuing his career with Atlanta. Of course, none of this is going to come to fruition probably for another few months, but it's very interesting to see what names could still be linked to what teams. And I do think like the Phillies before the lockout occurred, or like the Mets before the lockout occurred, I do think the Phillies could certainly be a team to watch to add at least one significant name, especially a position player after the lockout ends. Of course, while there may not be much going on around MLB baseball, we still have plenty of content to discuss. I certainly hope you enjoyed the first episode of Retracing the Steps to a Title with myself and Adam Herbert of the Platinum Sombrero Podcast. This will be the first in many episodes, one dropping every few weeks, in which we'll go back and look at the perspective of many of the moves that were made, looking at why they made sense at the time, to formulate this 2021 roster that became eventual World Series champions. Of course, you could also find the Daily Hammer, the Talking Chop podcast, as well as the Road to Atlanta podcast, all at TalkingChop.com and at Talking Chop across all forms of social media. My name's Sean Coleman. We'll be back with you next week discussing any more news around Major League Baseball. And obviously, we'll also take some time to review some key aspects of what made the Braves so successful in the second half of this season on their way to the World Series. Until next time, my name's Sean Coleman. We'll talk to you again soon here on the Daily Hammer. (laughs) 